0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you.
1: Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word endures forever. Let us pray that we might hear God's voice. Spirit of Emmanuel, overshadowing us in the proclaiming of your word. To our confusion, bring wisdom. To our darkness, your dawn. To our restlessness, Jesse's root. To our locked doors, David's key. And to us and to every nation, speak your challenge and blessing. Amen. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah. The living God's spirit is upon me because the living one has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the living one's favor and a day of vindication for our God and to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown and a place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise and a place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the living one for God's own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places They will renew reunited cities, places deserted in generations past. I, the living one, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and will make them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are people blessed by the living one. I surely rejoice in the living one. My heart is joyful because of my God, because God has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a pricely crown, and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its groan, As the garden grows its seeds, so the living God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our next reading is a reading from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word. And without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. And the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him, everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. This is John's testimony when the people of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? John confessed. He didn't deny, but he confessed, I am not Christ. They asked him, then who are you? you Elijah? John said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? John answered, no. They asked, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What did you say about yourself? John replied, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. Make the Lord's path straight, just as the prophet Isaiah said. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Before the internet, before Google and Wikipedia and smartphones, librarians were the gatekeepers of knowledge. Last year, the New York Public Library released a sample of the questions and conundrums patrons called in from the 1940s through the 1980s. Among those questions were, if a poisonous snake bites itself, will it die? What does it mean when you dream you're being chased by an elephant? Why do 18th century English paintings have so many squirrels in them? How much does a penny weigh? What is the natural enemy of a duck? When asked to clarify, the patron explained, well, a whole flight of them landed in my pool. And I have waved a broom at them. But all they do is look at me and quack. I thought I could introduce the natural enemy into my pool. And then, do you have any books on human beings? A book about human beings would brim with the questions they ask, the curiosities that percolate within them, the anxieties that itch when the mind goes quiet. The priests and the Levites from Jerusalem have questions, all right, but John the Baptist doesn't seem keen to give them a straightforward answer. Who are you? I am not the Christ. What kind of an answer is that? According to the Gospel writer, it's a confession, a statement of belief. The Christ, the Messiah, the light coming into the world, that is John's singular focus. He has, you might say, a one-track mind. Ask him anything about poisonous snakes or 18th century English paintings or about human beings? And he will answer, Jesus Christ. What was the question? Caroline Lewis, who teaches at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, keenly observes that in this fourth gospel, we first meet John not as the Baptist, that as John the witness. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He himself wasn't the light. His mission was to testify concerning the light. You might say that to John's mind, all questions about himself or the state of the world are secondary when compared to the big question about the light, that question that lurks in the back of our minds. Will the darkness extinguish the light? Well, will it? Will the darkness extinguish the light? at the rate of 1,000 COVID-related deaths each day? Will the darkness of nuclear weaponry extinguish the light in this country as much as in Russia, Iran, and North Korea? Will the darkness of conspiracy theories and divide and conquer politics extinguish the light? Will the collapse of democracy and the collapse of trust in our elections do the job? Will the darkness extinguish me this week? More people than ever before are asking that question more people than ever before are collapsing under the weight of answering yes, yes it will. Over a century ago, the painter Paul Gauguin answered yes to that question. He had already experienced so much loss, the loss of his own life, seemed the only logical response. However, not many people had, or still have, sympathy for Gauguin. Notoriously licentious and unreliable in nearly every aspect of his life, Gauguin left his wife and five children behind in France and ran away to French Polynesia. At 48, he fathered a daughter with a 14-year-old Tahitian woman. On Christmas Day, 1986, only a few days old, the baby died. A year later, Gauguin's 10-year-old daughter, Aline, also died of pneumonia. The same month Gauguin was served an eviction notice. Now, bereaved parents are often warned not to make any major changes the first year after losing a child. But after Aline's death, Gauguin took out a loan. He could ill afford to repay, to build a new home. Well, by December, he faced foreclosure. He found himself nearly bankrupt and his health, his health was failing him. He had broken an ankle in a brawl and the pain and morphine addiction to treat it were a constant misery. He suffered a series of strokes. His eyesight was failing. His body was beset with syphilitic lesions and he often succumbed to bouts of fever. The crushing weight of despair and grief drove him to hopelessness. Entire books have been written about Gauguin's many failings, which include his failure to kill himself with arsenic, but it was the painting he completed before his suicide attempt that stayed his hand. Nearly six feet high and over 12 feet long, this canvas, this masterpiece, portrays Tahitian men and women in bold strokes of ochre yellow and shadowy blue. Gauguin never formally titled it, but he did scratch these questions into the upper left corner. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? The painting does not offer any easy answers, but through it, The light, which is for all people, shines through. This unsavory French painter is no John the Witness. But Gauguin grasped dimly what John had to say. The only question that matters is, will the light be extinguished by the darkness? And the answer, the answer is no. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, however improbably, neither understands nor overcomes the light. Yes needless deaths from COVID-19 are on the rise, reflecting the flaws in human judgment we know too well. And yes, we enter the new year with the threat of nuclear holocaust still looming over us in no small part, because the five countries that still harbor such weapons refuse to dismantle them. And yes, our democracy will need reviving, if not a heart transplant in the coming years. Darkness will not give up so easily, but it will not triumph. The light of Christ The light of the word through which all things came into being will continue to kindle and spark and flare up in the least likely of places. For example, that light will be hidden in the flesh of a baby, hidden in the flesh of a poor child who grew up to be a carpenter from a backwater town, a carpenter who leaves his workshop behind to spend time with rabbis and sex workers who speaks of such outlandish things as loving your enemies and giving up your hopes for greatness that light blazed forth when this carpenter turned preacher read from the scroll of Isaiah during worship one Saturday. He took the scroll and read the living God's spirit is upon me because the living one has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives and liberation for prisoners. Jesus, the light coming into the world, took those prophetic words and made them his own. As witnesses to the light, let us do the same survey the ruins of our society. Not only the scorched earth of wildfires in western states or the flooded towns on the Gulf Coast, no, look also at the devastation wrought by generational poverty, by the complex machinery of racism, by the desertion of common decency and compassion. Look around, the spirit is anointing you, you to comfort all who mourn, to give the oil of joy in place of grieving, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. The spirit is anointing you to embody good news for the down and out, those who are poor in money and poor in hope. The spirit is anointing you, complicated you, rough around the edges, you, not yielding to any easy answers, you. Friends, we do not need to be perfect. All that is required of us now as God's kingdom dawns subtly, barely tinting the midnight morning, is that we open our hearts to this good news that we glimpse in Jesus, whose arrival we await. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. For such impossible and liberating grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, our ending and our beginning, our past and our promise our judge, and our hope. Amen.